0: Lord, in this moment, we just say, Lord, we want you to have all of us, everything, our future, our present, even our past, Lord, that with your blood you cover up everything in the past so we are in front of you white as snow. Now, we look forward with hope, Lord, as we give everything to you and trust you to lead us step by step. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now as we start here, let me uh, just say you've got these funny little things. What do you think this thing stands for? Some people said it's an eye test. Can you see these three letters up here? It really isn't, we're gonna tell you in a minute. But what I want is for every family to have one of these in their hands. So if you're in an aisle and you don't have one yet, would you pass it down? That'd be really important. If you don't have one, raise your hand and our ushers will help you get one. Now, if you're a college student, you are a family. <laughs> each, each, we got each individual, in other words. So we need to do that because in two weeks from today, something's going to happen different.
1: You guys know, right? Two weeks from today? Are we, is this kind of on our, on our radar right now or not? Am I plugged in? No. Sometimes. Okay, well, I'll just say it a little bit louder. Um, two weeks from today, we're going to do this, this stretch. And I think you guys can see um, why we're doing that. And I think it's coming at a great time. This is what it is. One church, two locations. And uh, that other location is on the other side of town at North Point High School. Sunday morning, same service times. Um, That's the deal.
0: And I've heard some people say, now we're going to figure this thing out. So wherever... This particular teacher that we particularly enjoy, I'm not going to mention any names, wherever he is, I'm going to be there. That ain't going to work. Why is that? Um, you're funny. Anyway, <laughs> because
1: it's going to be um, a surprise. No. Um, If you know me well enough, there's nothing too ordered or structured. Uh, One week I might be here. I might be here for three weeks in a row. I might be here for two weeks. Um, I might be here for a whole month. And what's really exciting is we got a team of people, and you guys have seen and heard a lot of those people right from within our community uh, that are gonna be at the other locations. So we're not doing a video thing or anything like that, um, but that's how it's gonna work.
0: But the key is that if you're here one week teaching Sermon A, you're going to teach Sermon A at the other spot. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, maybe you didn't hear it very well here, and you've got to go there and hear it again. That's fine, but it's going to be the same thing. And uh, so you're not going to be able it's just – it's one church, two locations, and we're not about a personality. Well, we are. We're about a personality, aren't we? Amen. It's called Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to keep going. On. And uh, so we're just mortals, so mortal, feet of clay, but um, – that's how it's going to work, and we need to do it, because we're, we're stretched. If, how many of you have trouble parking today? Um, some of you did. Some of you left your car just in the middle of three-mile road, probably, and it won't be there when you come back. But Nobody swore when you were parking. No, 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 none of that. <laughs> but we do need more space, and that's why we're doing it. And just to, to allow people, We last week they saw people try to get in the parking lot, and they ended up driving away and went to brunch somewhere, because they couldn't get in. And that's, you know, that's, that's too bad. So. There's even people waiting to sit, yeah. So if there is one, there's a lot of space in the front row here, front row here. Raise your hand if you got a space near you. Couple space, look at that. There you got space all over the place. Come on, don't stand over there. All right, what are we gonna do with this thing? This is important, is that E stands for East, and that's over there. W stands for West, that's right here. And K is if you have any kids gonna be involved in the program. So we want you to circle one of these things or maybe two, like if you're East and you've got kids in the Crossroads Kids program, you'd circle two things. And if you don't know, I mean, that's who cares. But I mean, we're just trying to get a sense of where you're likely to, to, to land so that we, we know how many chairs to set up and how much kids stuff to do. It, just, it would help us with a little bit of planning. It's not scientific, but it would really assist. So if you do that, if you're a college student, again, just circle one of these. When the offering plate comes by, which will be quick, and just put it in there. We need some help too. We got three areas that people can really help us. One of those is set up and tear down. And uh, you know we got set up and tear down here, but also over the other place. So we could really use your help. And Will is the guy to talk to about that after the service. Say, you know what? I could give an hour and a half once a month to set up. And it's, it's a connecting opportunity. Crossroads Kids, your wife runs Crossroads Kids, does an awesome job with Lindsay, Amy. She could use help. Mm-hmm.
1: Are you in here, Libby? No, Libby, would uh, love to have help. And, Randy, as you were mentioning, just our need for help. In the last last week, I think 26 signed up in your area, right? That was awesome. And several signed up in the children's area. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep.
0: And finally, the worship team. We're going to have six worship teams, and we all enjoy what they do, but we're going to need three on this side, three on that side. So if that's your calling, pray about these things. And if God leads you to do that, then uh, Greg Dempster would be the one to see, and I think Greg has left us here today, or he's out, he's out the door right now, but you can uh, email him, talk to him, give him a call. So uh, with that, OK, go.
1: Let me tell you why I'm really excited about this, because personally speaking right now, I am sick of this, being the church. And I know you are. I know you're sick of the church just being. gathering on Sunday morning and so are we and the church is not just a bunch of people who just sit neatly in rows uh, passively as an audience the church is an army and the church is what we are outside of this thing as much as anything else so we come here we get fired up we get filled up but at the end of the day, this is just a small thing in, in terms of crossroads. So it doesn't matter that we're going to do a campus here and a campus over there. Because what we're really going for is what happens outside of this. Amen? High five to that. That's our church, and that's where we're going. So now what? Here you go. We're gonna have you guys stand
2: back up. We're going to take that off.
1: All right, is there any hunger here this morning to uh, get into this? I'm going to finish Philippians, actually, today. <laughs> no response to that. I don't know, like, if that's good news or bad news. It's like, come on, let's move on from this thing. Or, You guys are awesome. Philippians 4, and if you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get you one. My voice is a little bit, like, ruined, literally, I coached a football game yesterday, and I threw, I threw everything I had in that thing. Doggone it, we won that football game, too, 14 nothing. It was fun. So Then I hear these other speakers come up here and say all oh, Rod talks about is sports, and now all of a sudden I feel like, yeah, I guess I do, don't I? So let's talk about something more important now. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore, therefore, what a huge word. We're going to see that that connects what we're going to read now with everything that's been said previous. Therefore, my brothers, in light of what I have just said, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Let me just say something here. In the original Greek, that is the same clause in chapter 2, verse 5. So this literally reads, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to have the same attitude as that of the Lord. And see, when we have the same attitude as that of the Lord, that's how we do what's following. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow... Help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God put into practice. Watch me become like me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had have no opportunity to show it. Now I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. But I have learned the secret of being content In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hunger, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This is God's reading for today. You can be seated. As we've uh, seen, Paul has a specific aim or purpose as to why he's writing this letter to the church and Philippi, and also to us. And it's, he wants these Christians there to live a life, to live it. Not just talk it, not just sing it, not just hear it, live it. Live a life worthy Of the gospel. And I think we all know today that the power of the kingdom of God as it breaks in and breaks out, and as it's seen both by people within and people out there, it's not so much going to be seen in our talk, 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 or our sing, sing, sing. It's going to be seen in a life. The power of a life so well lived for the gospel. That's what Paul wants. And what does this life look like? It's a life of going down. It's a life of becoming small. And it's a life of giving my life up. And here's the deal. No one will teach you to live that way. In fact, religion and worldliness, which at the end of the day I think are the same thing, both tell us we need to go up. We need to get a life. We need to produce a life. We need to become more. We need to get more. But God's way, the way of Christ, and now the way of Paul as he follows the way of Christ, is this way of the cross. It's the cross that gets worked into our lives. It's the cross that gets worked out of our lives. It's this life of of going down, becoming small, and giving everything up. That's the deal. That's a life worthy of the gospel. Now when we were living in Jerusalem, every day I, 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 I saw the Mount of Olives because the Mount of Olives just rises up. It's the biggest hill in the area of Jerusalem. And I don't know if you know the biblical story well enough to know, but the Mount of Olives is is really significant because that was the place where Jesus entered Jerusalem for his last week. And he came down that mountain on a donkey. So every time I looked at that mountain, saw it every day, I was just reminded how Jesus went down. And it began with the incarnation, he gave it all up, went down. His whole life on earth, he is giving it up, going down, becoming small. And then that last week, it all culminates where his grand entrance into Jerusalem, he comes down that mountain on that little donkey. Here is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, And he's going down. And he goes all the way down that week. He's utterly humiliated. He's mocked. He becomes of no reputation. He dies a criminal's death. He gives it all up. He becomes nothing. That's the path. And see, that's why John says in 1 John 2 verse 6, If anyone claims to be in him, they must walk as Jesus walked. And see, I don't know how we've missed this. Because we spend most of our lives trying to go up, trying to upgrade, when Jesus makes it so clear, it's all about going down, and it's downsizing. It's downsizing in terms of our our stuff, our possessions, it's downsizing in terms of our name, our notoriety, it's it's downsizing in terms of our place, in our position, in our status, And see, maybe it's just this American way where we've always been taught bigger is better, win at all costs, build a tower for yourself so you can make make a name for yourself. And what's going on is this everyone is frantically trying to get more and be more. But here's the question who's happy? Who's really happy today? I love it. Did I hear that? Yeah! Come on! Have some guts! Who's happy? I am. I am. Amen. It's hard for us, though. Who's content? You know, at the beginning of the study, I asked, are you a joyful person? Is joy one of the dominant themes of your life? Uh, Let me ask this question now. What about contentment? Are you a content person? Are you utterly content with who you are? What you're becoming? Are you content with your life? Because see, this is what this text is all about. Paul is exhorting them to a life of joy. In verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. (laughs) Rejoice. And then in verse 7, he says... And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, It's about peace. And in verse 9, he says, uh, whatever you have learned or received from me, put these things into practice, and the God of peace, he will be with you. And peace, I don't know if you remember this, but I've taught this, that peace biblically is more than just Hey, peace, what's up? That's how we understand peace. It's, it's this understanding of there being an, an absence of conflict. But peace biblically is more than just the absence of conflict. It's much fuller. It's richer. It's deeper. It, it's, it's wholeness. It's completeness. It's everything as God intended it to be. It's this perfect harmony. It's Harmony with myself, it's harmony with others, it's harmony with my past, harmony with my present, harmony when I think about my future, it's harmony with God. And in fact, the opposite of biblical peace is not just conflict, but it's anxiety, and it's fear, and it's unrest. That's why Paul addresses this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Isaiah 57, this is what it says. It says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Let me ask you, would peace right now describe you? Are you at peace? Do you know peace? Does your life bring peace? Or are you like the wicked where there's no rest and you're constantly just churning things up wherever you go? And see, now Paul in verses 11 and 12 makes this claim. See, Paul's not only one of the happiest guys I know, but in verses 11 and 12, and I'll just sum it, this is what Paul said. You know what? I've learned the secret of being content. Because here's the guy that knows peace. And here's the guy with the most pressure, experiencing the most danger, the least comfort, maybe the most loss. I mean, his life is literally in a pit, in a dungeon, a Roman prison. He's most most likely awaiting his death sentence. And yet, in this whole letter, as we've seen, his life oozes joy, thanksgiving, and now Paul says, yep, I have the secret to contentment. And then there's that next verse, verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Connect those verses. Because I think verse 13 may be one of the most misunderstood and misused verses in the Bible. Because we apply this verse to anything and everything from winning the football game to getting an A on the exam to getting a promotion at work to getting the girl of my dreams to like me to... I can do it through Christ who gives me strength. See, and I, okay, I'm not gonna tell you right now that you can't get the girl of your dreams, okay? But for some of you, I'm gonna pop your bubble on this verse. Because you wanna apply this verse to any difficult situation or circumstance in a way where it now makes you Superman or Superwoman. I can now do anything through Christ who gives me strength. But see, that's not what Paul's saying. In fact, he's saying something even better than that. Because let me ask you something. What happens when you don't win the football game? What happens when your cancer doesn't get healed? What happens when the job doesn't come through? Or the girl breaks up with you, then what? Where's superman or superwoman then? Or where's super god when 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 that's the reality? And right now that's where some of you are. Did that verse just not work? Did you just not have enough faith? What's up with this? Paul saying, I can do all things through. Christ who strengthens me. What Paul is saying is this, and it's awesome. He's saying, in all things, no matter what the outcome, no matter what the situation, no matter what the world throws at me, through God's strength, I can be content. I can be content. And see, the reason why we have to listen to Paul on this is because... Here is a guy who's had everything thrown at him from prisons to dungeons to beatings to a shipwreck to a stoning to a death sentence to getting getting whipped. I mean, the world's thrown a ton at him. And he says, You know what? I've learned a secret. Have you? See, I think all our life we've been told this. We've been told that our circumstances are everything, that they are the end-all, be-all, That my joy today and my happiness today has everything to do with my circumstances. That if I'm going to be truly content, it has to do with my circumstances. That if I'm going to live a worry-free or fearless life, it has everything to do with my circumstances. If only I could do that. If only I could get that. If only I could be that. And so many of you live your life there. But you know what? I don't know why we believe this lie because time and time again... We are shown people who actually have that, and have achieved that, and can do that, and they are consistently some of the most miserable people on the face of the earth. And yet here we are, day after day, hour by hour, we chase after jobs, we chase after money, we chase after degrees and accomplishments, we indulge in the world, we throw our life into a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or we throw our life into our kids and their success, all this straining, all this striving, thinking that contentment is found in these things. And yet look at us. Why are we so unhappy? Why so little joy? Have you ever stop to think about the fact that you live in the United States of America? Of course. You know that. But what that means? Do you know that you're the best fed, the best dressed, the most prosperous culture materially to ever live on the face of the earth? And yet at the same time, one could make an argument that we are the most oppressed we are the most discontent, most ungrateful, joyless people to ever be on the face of the earth. What's up? See, we haven't learned Paul's secret. And here's what's interesting is, is, and I'm not trying to be any doomsday person right now, but you guys know this as well as I do. More and more, our world is spinning out of control, it's quaking. It's shaking! There's waves now that are just beating on us. See, I don't know if you ever get out to Lake Michigan on a stormy day when the waves are like these 10-foot breakers, and they're they're just like pounding on the pier, pounding on these rocks, And, and they do it with such power and such velocity, and what's so amazing to me, it's, it, it's awesome to watch because you can feel the force and the power of these waves, but they hit the rocks and they blow off and the rock's still there. He's just standing. That's Paul. That's Paul. Wave after wave just hitting this, this guy, falling on him, beating on him, and he's just a rock. Oh, he's a rock. And see, this is what he says now in verse 1. He says, therefore, my brothers in whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. I mean, feel the affection. Feel the life of this guy. Feel, feel the joy that's just oozing from him. He says, this is how you should stand firm. This is how you can be a rock. And see, I know what everybody wants right now. Good. Rod, show me how to be a rock. Give me the prescriptions. Tell me the how-to. how to and I'm gonna tell you right now, you can look at this text, and there are some powerful how to's in our text today. I mean, I could break this thing down and show you some powerful prescriptions that will help your life be like a rock. I could start right with verse 2 and say, you know what? Get your relationships right, get them reconciled, be at peace with people. I could go to verse 4 and I could say, you know what? stop being sad, stop being depressed, what's your problem? Rejoice! Thank you for laughing. Because it's laughable. We know that doesn't work. Uh, We could go to verse 6 and we could just say, you know what, everybody stop worrying right now and start praying. And I'm going to tell you, that's a powerful principle. Live it and you'll find it to be true. I could go to verse 8, and I could say, okay, now look at this verse, and, and now get your mind to only think about the good things in this world, the things that are right, the things that are true, the things that are noble, the things that are beautiful. Don't think about any of that bad stuff. Just the power of positive thinking. Obviously, you know, I'm not going there, though, right? Because this peace that Paul is talking about, this inexplicable peace, this peace That passes all understanding. It's not found in just a simple prescription or a how-to. You can get that at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Just go to their self-help section. You'll get three steps to happiness. You'll get five habits of happy people. You'll get the six principles of making life work for you. But that's not what the Bible wants to do. Because what you and I need today, if we're going to have this in our life, is more than some prescriptions. We need a power. And see, that's what Paul possesses. He doesn't just have these principles and these prescriptions. This guy has a power. And you know why, where I'm getting the power from? It's from the keyword in the whole text. Therefore. Sorry, I spit on you, dude. I know there's a reason why no one likes to sit in these front rows. (laughs) But therefore, what does the therefore do? It it, it says, "In, in light of everything I've said now, now do this. And what has Paul said? He's explained His power. And the power comes from such statements like this. For me to live is Christ. The power comes from a life of a person who says, I want to know him. I want to become like him, even in his death. I want to go his way. See, and some of you are thinking, oh, Rod, this is just like... Hitting me between the eyes, like you mean I gotta go God's way and I gotta give it all up and I gotta go down and become really small and then I gotta give my life up. Uh, you mean I really gotta do that? See? The reason you think Pat is because you're looking at like the world looks at it. It looks like weakness. But it's not weakness, it's the power, the joy. Peace, contentment, freedom, freedom. And see, Paul lives this life of the cross, of going down, becoming small, giving his life up, becoming nothing, And, and he sums this up in Galatians 2 verse 20 so well. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live but Christ lives in me. And now the life I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when we work the cross into our life and we work the cross out of our life and we go the way of the cross, while the world might think this this looks like weakness, in reality, it's the greatest power our world knows, humanly speaking. There is no greater power, humanly speaking, than the crucified life. And I'll give you one verse from Paul, I could give you many, that show how this power works itself out in a person's life. In Galatians 6 verse 13, Paul says this, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world is crucified to me and I to it. I said, what's Paul saying? Is Paul saying the world now is, is killed by the cross? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the world now is killed to you. It's not that the world is dead, but that the world is dead to you. It's not even so much that you are dead, but you are dead to it. And see, here's the power. It's, It's why the cross is the greatest power in our world. And I'll ask it from this vantage point. Are you worried right now? Are you anxious? Are you scared? Are you depressed? Are you angry? Are you jealous? Are you bitter? And some of you are these things and have been these things for a very long time. And you can't get over these realities. And I'll tell you right now why you can't. It's because the world still has a hold on you. And see, the world will not have this power over you if Christ and his cross have the place in your life that it should. And see, if the world is controlling you right now in any way, it's because you are boasting in something other than the cross. And you haven't gone the way of the cross. You're still trying to go up instead of down. You're still trying to get a life and produce a life instead of giving up your life. And see, what this all comes down to is what do you boast in? And your boast is your confidence. Your boast is is your significance. Your, Your boast is the thing from which you derive life and meaning and your sense of identity. What are you boasting in right now? What's your definition of life? See, and if there's any circumstance right now in your life that if it came into your life could ruin your life, I'm going to tell you right now that thing is your life. It is. And see, that's why Paul says, you want to know what my boast is? My boast is in Christ. It's in the cross of Christ. And see, when this becomes a person's boast... The world can't upset you, the world can't faze you, it can't disappoint you, it can't hurt you, the world can't scare you, the world can't embitter you. And this doesn't mean that we don't weep. This doesn't mean that we don't experience disappointment. This doesn't mean that we don't feel uh, the pain of loss. In fact, I believe, as believers, when we live this way, we have a greater capacity to suffer, a greater capacity to enter the world's pain, and to feel the world's hurt, because we don't weep without hope. And so we know that any circumstance is not the end-all, be-all, but that God is. And see, I like how Spurgeon put it. He says this, if you have the cross of God in your life, if you have the grace of God in your life, then the best of times are leaveable and the worst of times are bearable. How do you treat the best things in your life, the, the, the best of times? So many of us are like, oh, I gotta have it and I gotta have more of it. If the cross comes in your life, it's like, wow, that was fun. That was good, but I can leave it. And when the worst of things come into your life, it's not all of a sudden now my whole life is ruined. I can bear this. I mean, right now, just take anything in your life. Get honest with yourself. Take anything right now that you might call your life. Now, just think about that thing or that person. What's it really doing for you? Think about the best thing that you have right now. Can that thing or that person actually save you? Can that thing or that person die for you? Does that thing or that person really love you? And will that thing or that person make you eternally beautiful? Think this stuff out. Because lots of us are giving our life to these things. And I'll think about Christ. Do you see him? Do you see him sitting at the right hand of God the Father? Do you see myriads upon myriads of angels surrounding him, worshiping Him? Do you see him leaving that? Do you see him letting go of the bosom of the Father? Do you see him giving up all privilege? Do you see him actually coming down, becoming small, literally becoming a single cell? Do you see him being born to very poor parents? Do you see him living his life on this earth as a homeless person? Do you see him riding down that mountain on a little donkey? Do you see him being mocked? Do you see him being humiliated? Do you see him becoming nothing? Do you see him giving up his life on the cross? And you know why he did all that? Because he loves you. And he gave it all up to save you, to redeem you, to make you eternally beautiful, to make you eternally his. In fact, what you are to him is the pearl of great price in which he left everything, gave up everything to get it. It's you. And see, it doesn't end here. This whole thing doesn't end with a cross. That's why in chapter two, when it says that Jesus went all the way down and and died a death, even death on a cross, what's the next word? Therefore. Therefore, God does what? exalts him, lifts him up as low as he goes, that's as high as he goes. He goes to the highest place. He's given the name above every name so that one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And see, everything that God does in Jesus, God will someday do for those who embrace Jesus and go Jesus' way. Meaning this, it doesn't end with us being small and giving our life up and becoming nothing. That's just the means by which we're going to be lifted up and exalted. And see, that's what the therefore of verse 1 connects us to. Look at the last two verses of Um, chapter 3, which last week I hardly mentioned. I mean, you should have walked away and said, I can't believe I just blew it with those verses. Because these verses are awesome and have everything to do with why Paul can say, therefore, and then rejoice in the Lord and be at peace. And here's the secret of contentment. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See what Paul's thinking about? The guy's just so homesick. This world isn't my home. I'm homesick. I can't wait. Come back, Christ. Why? Who by the power, who there's the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies Our lowly lives are becoming poor, are becoming small. He's going to transform it. So one day it will be like his glorious body. He's going to lift us up. And C.S. Lewis, I believe I mentioned this about two years ago. This is one of my favorite writings from C.S. Lewis. He writes this in The Great Divorce. And he describes this scene in heaven. And this is how he describes it. To me, it's just awesome. He says, there's a man on the outskirts of heaven. And he has seen people enjoying heaven. And at one point, he sees this towering, beautiful woman surrounded by boys and girls who are dancing with this brilliant light shining upon her. And he is with the guide, so he asks the guide You know, I can only partly remember the unbearable beauty of her face. She was so unbelievably beautiful. Is she that person? Is she that person? I whispered to my guide. Not at all, he said. It's someone you never would have heard of. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith and she lived at Golders Green. But she seems to be such a person of great importance. Well, have you not heard that fame up here and fame on earth are two very different things? Well, who are all these young men and women dancing all around her? Oh, they are her sons and daughters. My sir, she must have had a very large family. No, every young boy that met her became her son. And every girl that met her became her daughter. Wasn't that hard then on their parents? No. Because there are some who steal other children's parents, but her love was also of a different kind. Those on whom it fell went back to their natural parents, only loving them more. And now the radiance of her life, the life that she has in Christ from the Father, flows into them. And this is what C.S. Lewis says. I think this is stunning and powerful. He says, And already there is enough joy in her little finger To raise all the dead things of the universe to life. And see, on earth, Sarah Smith was hardly noticed. She wasn't this big name. She didn't do any great thing except probably live a rather small, less than ordinary life for Christ. But her life went down. And she gave her life up for others. And now, as a result, she's lifted up. And she is all Jesus beauty. And do you know right now that in a moment in time if you are in him and you belong to him and you've lived your life on this earth going his way this is going to be you. He's coming back. And there's going to be so much joy in your little pinky. The whole world could be raised to life. See, and this is what's burning in Paul's heart and mind. This is the power that this man has so that any circumstance as it comes into his life and as it beats upon him like a wave, it's swallowed up in this awesome hope. That's why he can be content so full of joy. That's why I can say in verse 7, I love this. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word guards there is such an awesome word in the Greek. It, it, it's a military term. It's, it, it, it's what an army does for a city as it surrounds it and protects it when the invading army is coming in. And listen to me. Some of you are facing invading armies all over the place. And you've had things thrown at you. And you know exactly what Paul is talking about. I can't explain it. But it's like there's this army that's just around me. And it's guarding me. It's protecting me. It's giving me peace. I can't explain it, but it's peace. Do you know this peace tonight? today the Songwriter got it right When sorrows like sea bills roll Whatever my lot You have taught me to say It is well it is well With my soul See when we have this peace Then we do the stuff of verse 8 we think this peace into our lives. We think it into our hearts. We do the stuff of verse six. We we, we pray this peace in. We pray this peace into our world. And in verse two, we live this peace out. Take hold of the cross today. Make the cross your boast. Make it your life. Let it define who you are and what you're becoming. And like Paul, you got the secret. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to just make our boast in you today, Lord. May our hope be the gospel. awesome reality that you came, and you died, and you rose again, and you ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and you're coming back. You are coming back. (coughs) Let that be our hope today, Lord.
3: You could have just left us, God, but you speak. You gave us your word, and you speak, and you change us. We just love you. God, speak individually to us and show us the next step in your way. Thank you that it's worth it, Father. We just love you so much. I want to introduce to you guys somebody and I feel so privileged to do this. Um, Jeremiah and Missy, I don't know where you guys are. (laughs) Oh, there you are, you're right in the front. (laughs) These guys have been um, going to Crossroads since 2005, so a long time and they just got back from Zambia and um, they're here for a little while and I just want them to share with you what their heart is and what God's been doing in them and and their future plans so
2: yeah like uh, Sarah said we were in Zambia for three months and um, working in a village there in Livingston and it was just incredible to see the ways that God is moving and working in that place um, we our heart is to really just come in in this heart of servant leadership really raising up the African people to be leaders in their communities that are following Jesus, being servant leaders, kind of like what Rod was talking about today, where they are coming underneath and serving and raising people up. And so it was so incredible to see the way God's moving, and we just have such hope, and, and just this word from Him, He just kept giving us words like, he is coming. He's moving. I mean, we saw witch doctors come and pray and bring in rain, but we prayed against it, and God brought the sun back out. Like, there is a movement of God's spirit there that we're believing. And so we just are so grateful what God has done in us but through us. And we are nothing. Like, we're, we don't even know what we're doing when we get out there. We're like, God, what are we doing here? This is way over our heads. We don't know what we're doing. We're not qualified for this or anything. But we're just trying to follow him in this process, and He has been so faithful, and so we're just excited to see what God's going to continue to do. You guys have been a huge part in the orphan home that is starting there. We're taking in ten orphans hopefully next year, and really raising them up, training them up, and sending them out to be just the the future of Africa. We believe they are going to be the ones that are going to change it. So,
4: yeah. And this, excuse me, this picture up here, um, we just wanted to show you. This was our church. In Africa, these are um, orphan boys um, and basically we try not to lead. Even these simple churches, that's our goal. We, we want to give them what they need, not what they don't need. So we're trying to empower them in every way. So if you can see, let's see, where's Michaela? You can pray for him. He's a true orphan, no parents. You know, he gets shifted from house to house, but he's totally illiterate, a third grade education. He can't even read in his own language. But he was memorizing through pictures, and he was telling other people about Jesus, you know. He's a blank slate that we're just able to pour into. And this is what orphans look like, you know. they're babies, but they're also 15-year-olds, and um, so that's our heart, is to just always just teach them to lead. We're, it's not about us, you know, um, it's about them. So this is, yeah, just how we're doing things there. Can you tell us your plans for the future? Yeah, we're both in school full-time right now. We actually live in Minneapolis. We're getting our uh, social work degrees just to have more tools in our hands to serve the, the poor and the um, uh, yeah, and the vulnerable especially because they're our hope. Just like us, we're normal, they're normal. You know, they're going to change their country. That's how Jesus, he's, he wants to use the least of these. And we're all the least, you know, we're all normal. And these are the people Jesus wants to use. It's the kingdom, right? It's upside down. So um, we're, we're going back. We're planning three years um, And then we'll see what happens after that. We'll explore more into Africa, see where else. But we'll be in Zambia for three years starting next June. So we'll be back here this year a lot. Um, We graduate in May, and then we'll go. So you guys, yeah, you'll be a part of everything, I'm sure.
3: So if you have a house church or if you just want to welcome them into your family, do that. Connect with them. You can do that by going on the website, getting my email address, and I'll send you theirs. Or get the card out there. Actually, they're not on that card. They're on the short-term card. But anyway, <laughs> soon they'll be there for three years, and and we love you guys. Like you're part of our heart, and we just love you so much. So, Roddy, you're awesome.
1: I wanna I wanna pray for these guys. Um, I, I I said this to him last night. I mean. The church in Philippi had these real-life examples, Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul, and so do we. We have real-life examples of, of, yeah, isn't it awesome? Let's pray for them. We just bless you, Lord, for Jeremiah and Missy. We thank you, Lord, for their, their hunger to walk your path forsake the world to give it all up to go down to become nothing to become small and to work with small little people and God you said to such the kingdom of heaven it it belongs to these and it belongs to us too Lord we're just little people trying harder to become more little we just thank you Lord for the hope that you're going to raise us up The hope that everything in our world will be summed up one day in Christ. And God, I just pray that you would bless Jeremiah and Missy as they go out. And bless us, Lord, as we go out for your glory. And may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his countenance over you and give you his shalom, his peace, so you can be shalom. The world. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Have a great week. See ya.